song at simultaneously my heart being conscious, specifically conscious of certain things that Christ has forgiven me for, ever. Before I read the scriptures, I thank the Lord for what he's done for me. Before I put on my worship music in the car, I'm mindful of what Christ has done for me. When I'm in this church, I'm mindful of what Christ has done for me. I never want to take for granted that I am a Christian, that I am saved, and I am going to heaven. I never want to forget what Christ has done for me. And do you know why I go through that? I am a forgetter. I'm a forgetter. And when I remember, if Christ was never to do anything for me for the rest of my life, even if he was to give me suffering for the rest of my life, I need to be indebted in gratitude for what Christ has already done for me. That is an exercise of my soul. That's a spiritual discipline I I go through all the time. And and God has been faithful to that. I'm looking forward to today's sermon very much. According to the scriptures, of course, we're celebrating the resurrection. And I want to bring out some truth today that prayerfully grips your heart and grips your mind of what Christ has done. And what it means to be a New Testament believer. What it means to be a Bible-believing Christian. We're Bible-believing Christians. We believe what was said in the scriptures. I'm going to read all of just about about 50 verses in uh, Luke 24. Somewhere around there. And we're going to see three stories represented in this chapter. As I go through it, three stories. Each story has the same two elements that the writer Luke wants us to know. First element, he's alive. Okay? The second element is according to the scriptures. These are the two main themes that are in, that run throughout the whole chapter, and that God wants us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Then I'll explain to you what's taking place in there. Okay, but remember that. Two things. He's alive. It's according to his word or according to the scriptures you'll hear that. Or do you remember I told you this? You will constantly hear this over and over. Uh, How many people need to remember what Christ has told us? We do. And that's what we're here for. Let's remind each other of what Christ has done for us. Let's love this Lord that gave his life for us. That the world is still mocking The world is still laughing. And guess what? The world still thinks there's bones somewhere in some tomb. And they're trying to excavate Jerusalem, trying to find a finger of Jesus or a finger of John the Baptist or an eyeball or something like that. That they can wrap their heart around. Please hear this. God wants you and I to wrap our hearts around one thing. Listen to me. Christ in the scriptures. Amen. Nothing else. My prayer today, if you are holding on to any icon, any relic, anything religious, that tonight you see that in light of what Jesus Christ is teaching us. It is not according to anything anymore but the scriptures. True worship of Christ is of the scriptures. Anything else is a man-made tradition that is a distraction to genuine Christian worship. 
I don't care how it makes you feel, make you feel fuzzy, it makes no difference. But it's not according to the scriptures. It does nothing for our souls. I'll explain to you that as we go along. Let's go to verse 1. Bear with me. As I read 50 verses. But please listen to those elements. He's alive. It's according to his word, according to the scriptures. Remember what he has said. Verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. And returning from the the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told them these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to be idle tale. And they did not believe that. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and they went home marveling at what had happened. This will be my text tonight. That very day, two of them were going to the village, named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself, the resurrected Jesus himself, drew near and went to them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you were holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Clopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know these things that have taken place in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women in our company amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, and they, when they went, they did not find his body. They came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said to him, he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but to him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish one, slow to heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards the evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? 
And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them and gathered, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told them what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieved for joy, were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you. He could have said, don't you remember? That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for what you do in this church. I thank you, O God, that you have revealed Jesus Christ to us according to the scriptures. The Jesus that's known in Sonship Ministries, Father, is a Jesus according to the scriptures. Father, we thank you that we come come with cunning experiences, dreams, or prophecies, God. We come to you with one Jesus Christ, him crucified according to the scriptures. God, let us cherish the scriptures. I pray that every man and woman in this room today begins to cherish the written word of God just like the only begotten son did as he died according to that which is written. He also lived according to that which is written. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't think Jesus, according to the scriptures, gets the airtime in a lot of people's hearts that it should. I'm going to be honest with you. I think every Christian should have a deeper love affair with the word of God. And we're going to see a, 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 a deep truth here that we worship according to the scriptures. We're going to see those two men on the road to Emmaus, their hearts were burning. They weren't staring at the temple when their heart was burning. They weren't bringing a sacrifice when their heart was burning. They weren't praying a rosary when their heart was burning. They weren't looking at a religious relic when their heart was burning. They didn't have uh, a statue when their hearts were burning. All they had was an interpretation of the crucifixion an interpretation of the resurrection from the Old Testament. That's it. Do you know why? That's all that's needed. Faith in the Word of God. Faith in the Son of God. 
You might not think, you might think, well, you know, we know that. But do you really know that? We're going to find out tonight. Last week I spoke on Palm Sunday. I spoke about the crowd that welcomed Jesus into the city with shouts of joy. Hosannas filled the air for the earthly king, but unfortunately, unbelief in a personal savior filled the hearts. There was a lot of religious shouting, and people loved their holidays. They loved their religious holidays and making their lamb, and how was your Easter? What did you eat? And Jesus Christ is still weeping over all. Let me, let me phrase it this way. The stinking unbelief that fills men's hearts. If there's not tens of millions of people going to church today and going to church on Friday, there's probably hundreds of millions of people going to church and Jesus is not filling the heart. Every other thing but Christ. And Jesus Christ is still weeping. We made that point last week. The stories we're about to study tonight are similar. But from another perspective, in that crowd of finicky faith and unbelief, there were genuine disciples. These genuine disciples represented here by two friends. One name was Clopas. The other friend, we don't know his name, had more than a superficial beliefism. They had more. Theirs was a real abiding faith. But unfortunately, it was so misinformed. They did not believe in all that the prophets had said about Christ. They believed in a lot. But they didn't believe in it at all. And that's the problem. You see, they cherry-picked the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah. Now, I can tell you right now that these two disciples were not cherry-picking. Their religious rulers were cherry-picking. Their teachers, their rabbis, were picking and choosing what they wanted to teach because they did not know Christ either. So the blind were leading. That's right. They cherry-picked the Old Testament prophecies concerning Messiah. They saw the great promises of restored Israel. Did you hear those two men? We hope that what? Jesus would redeem. That's an Old Testament promise, isn't it? Their whole life was built up on that promise. But they did not see the promise of a new Israel. That's the problem. In Israel, which really just means the people of God, which comprises both Jew and Gentiles... This new Israel is not a physical nation. It's a spiritual entity characterized by a new heart towards God by faith in Jesus Christ. True worshiping obedience from the heart. The whole personalism, the whole person is involved, mind, soul, and body, will, everything. And the grand foundation of this new Israel, the spiritual entity where Jew and Gentile live together in harmony, is the common ground they now share in Jesus' life and sacrificial death on their personal behalf. Making one new man and one new creation out of two. They missed it. You know how hard it is for me and mind and heart to be filled with the theology of the Old and New Testament? I want to share the deep, rich theological understanding God has given me as a pastor. 
And I say that because these two disciples were sitting under a teaching that had no theological depth at all. They read the scriptures according to their little nation. And they never saw that Abraham's blessing was for the world. They never read the prophets. Every prophet talked about God redeeming the world. They were all acting like Jonah. They knew God's a forgiven God, but they wanted to keep them all for little Israel's self. They couldn't understand or even go forward a deeper theological teaching that the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God of the whole world. They were small-minded their entire worshiping life. Small-minded. And I can tell you right now, if you are not loving your neighbor as yourself, you and I are acting small-minded. He's my little Jesus. I'm going to keep him all for myself and share him with nobody. The Old Testament promised the restoration for Israel. But there was a bigger overarching plan for all humanity that Israel and these two disciples missed. And that's why these two disciples are downcast and broken. And Jesus points them to the problem. They were slow hard to believe in all the scriptures. Teach me all the scriptures. I want to know everything from Genesis to Revelation. Leave nothing out. Don't go to one book. Don't go to one teaching. Don't go to one doctrine. Teach me the whole counsel of the word of God. Or teach me nothing at all. As I shared first, contextually, there are two main themes that run throughout this whole chapter. He's alive and according to the scriptures, or as he has said, or do you remember that he's told us? While everyone is marveling at the risen Christ, Jesus is pointing them to the scriptures and to his word. Mary Magdalene wanted to touch him. Rabboni, let me, he said, do not touch me. You don't know who I am. I'm not the same guy that walked the earth with you for three years. You're not going to know me that way anymore. You can't know me by sight anymore. You can't know me by feeling anymore. You have to have faith in what the Bible says. It's the only way you're going to know me now. I'm not going to be with you no more. I'm going to open up your minds. I'm going to give you the counselor. He's going to teach you all things concerning me. But if you keep on thinking I'm in the temple, it's going to be a distraction. If you think I'm still in the festivals, it's going to be a distraction. If you're going to try to follow me in dietary food laws, it's going to be a distraction. If you think I'm going to be in the icon, if you think I'm going to be in a statue, if you think I'm going to be in the rosary, if you think I'm going to be with Mary, you better leave it all behind because I'm only found in the scriptures. Everything else is a distraction. No matter how much it makes you feel good, it's a distraction. But it makes me feel close. Let me tell you something. When temptation is screaming at you, your heart better be filled with the promises of the scripture. Because anything less than that is not going to do you any good. 
not going to do you any good. Jesus is pointing them to the scriptures. This is the resurrected Christ. He could have walked around saying, look at me. I'm glorified. He did that later on to prove a point. I still got nail-scarred hands. My feet are still nail-scarred. I'm bleeding from my head. I'm bleeding from my side. The wound is still there. But don't marvel at me. Marvel at me in the scriptures. In the first story, the angel said, He is not here, but he's risen. Remember how he told you these things? While he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and crucified on the third day. Rise, and they remembered his words. We've already the second one. On the third story, verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer around the third day rise again. He could have easily said, Look, I'm here. But he's still pointing them to the scriptures. So we see two things, that Christ's words concerning himself are steeped in the Old Testament promises, and that all nations are included. This is the new Israel, this is the new creation. The whole book of Acts is about this. So it is important to our understanding of Christ's words to these two disciples, and the whole resurrection story, that the resurrection is not just about Jesus being raised from the dead. There's something much bigger going on over here. It's about the fulfillment of God's eternal plan of making one people for himself. It's about the new Israel. According to the scriptures. Verses 13 and 16. That very day, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing these things, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were deliberately kept from recognizing God the Father deliberately kept their eyes from recognizing him. Why? Why? I'm glad you asked. Do you want to know? I hope so, because if you read the text and that doesn't grab your attention, something's missing. This is why. Jesus wanted those two disciples' hearts to be overwhelmed by seeing him in the word of God. (coughs) Not visually. Do you know why? Because the righteous shall live by it. And who's blessed? Blessed are those who believe but do not see a whole new paradigm shift is going on here from the Old Testament to the New Testament we are going to live by faith in what Jesus said about himself in the scriptures in our story tonight we see Jesus acting like the innocent bystander just walking and overhearing their conversation this sets the stage for his marvelous unveiling later on at dinner 
But for now, it serves as a vehicle of investigation and then exhortation. Verse 17 says, And then he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Jesus questioned them. Jesus' question to them goes to show their sad state they were in. This word he has said really means downcast of soul. They're despondent. Their life has been undone. Guess what? They've got nothing to live for. Have you ever felt that way in your life? You just have nothing at all to live for. All your hopes and all your dreams, everything they were as a nation, everything they were as a person, was put into this man Jesus who walked around raising the dead, who walked around healing the leper, who walked around feeding the thousands, who did everything. And guess what? It's the third day, as he said, and there's no sign of him. I guess we can't trust him. How many times I counsel people and as soon as Jesus doesn't do something on the third day, guess what? Guess what? If Jesus is not doing something at the snap of the finger, then something's wrong. There's no waiting around for the miracle. Wait around. Fast a little bit. Pray a little bit. Cry a little bit. Ask for help. Hang on till God does something. Oh, oh, you've been waiting a week. I'm sorry. Sorry God doesn't wear a watch for you. But Brian, I'm waiting 20 years. I'm going to wait 20 more. He's worthy. You're waiting for a loved one to come in? Keep on praying 20 more years. Christ is worthy and one soul is worth it. This word sets the tone for the whole conversation up until Jesus arrived. They were despondent. All their hopes and dreams were crucified with Jesus. They got nothing to live for now. They're going back to their old life. There was nothing to now to move them forward in life. And that's what happened when hope is deferred. People just go back to something else. There's no, more, there's no uh, moving forward in their life. These two disciples have basically given up. There's nothing to live for no more. He said he was going to rise. He hasn't risen. It's the third day. We sent investigators. They came back. They said he wasn't there, but they couldn't find him. We don't know. We're going back. That's our Christian life. That's our Christian life. How many times we best played out in our life? This sets the stage for the next section. It says here in verse 18, 19, and 21. Listen. Then one of them named Clopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened in these last days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word for God and all the people, how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him up and to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped. That he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened, and we don't see nothing. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen vision of angels who said that he was alive, but we still haven't seen him. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman said, but they still didn't see him. We need to see something. That's Christians. I need to see something. I want to see a miracle now. Do 
something now in my family. Do something now in my heart. Do something now, 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 now. I know I do that. And that's a mistake. Jesus is absolutely brilliant here. I don't want you to miss it. He's like, he's like, he's playing the devil's advocate. He's like stirring up the pot. It's bad enough to respond, and now Jesus is like almost any insult to the injury. He's using their hopeless and sad experience as an object lesson in a life of faith. I'm telling you now, if you are here today and you are struggling and you're despondent and you're hopeless, if I'm despondent, if I'm hopeless, it's always the same thing. God is teaching me an object lesson to trust Him. No matter what. You should be shouting hallelujah right now because God is faithful with us because nobody has mastered this. You will learn and relearn and relearn this as long as we're Christians. He's brilliant. He allows themselves to reveal the real underlying problem to their pain. It was the third day, paraphrase, he said he would rise, but he didn't. No one seen him, even though some of the women saw him and the angels told us, because no one really saw him, we just don't believe. The apostles heard the women, but when they went there, they thought it was foolish. And Peter ran there, he saw nothing. So without any real hard evidence, guess what? We're not going to believe either. Jesus sets the whole tone here. Listen, this is not a small, little bitty lesson of personal faith. Please, what you're going to get now, Christians for 40 years never hear this. They have no understanding. That New Testament religion will be one of faith in Him, in His work, along with trust in the Scriptures. And He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them all the Scriptures that the things concerning Himself. See, Jesus now shows the heart of the problem. They are slow of heart to believe all the scriptures concerning him. So he calls them foolish. Foolish here does not mean stupid. It means dull. Dull. You want a sharp mind? Education. Education. A biblical education, a Christian education, any education. Read, reread, read, and continue to grow in understanding. Without any understanding, or only half understanding, because they only believe in half of the prophets, they don't see the big picture. They only see from a personal perspective, redeem our little Israel. They see only from their own perspective, my own little life. And the only answer to this state of mind and heart is a proper interpretation of the scriptures. A proper interpretation has a beginning. Did you know that? And beginning with who? Moses. And all the prophets in the Psalms. 
you know, Christian education, you know, I hear you know, Chris say, oh, Pastor, what about this and what about that? And I'll give an answer, but the only way you understand is you have to sit under teaching decade in and decade out, reading and understanding, and it fills our mind and it fills our heart. And that's one of the lessons Jesus Christ is living here. He could have revealed himself right away on the road to Emmaus. He didn't have to go through this whole program over here. He didn't have to go through this whole drama. He, could have, he didn't have to wait to the, the, the opening up the bread. He didn't have to keep their eyes from recognizing him. They could have saw him. They would have jumped and leaped for joy. But they would not learn the lesson. The lesson of digging into the scriptures yourself. It's like a parent just want to give a child everything. You know, so you're a parent and, you, and you're, you're a parent of means. And it's easy you can write a check. You want sneakers, you can write Jordans. You want a new basketball, you want a new bike, well, you can sit there and write checks. What happens? The child never learns responsibility. Never takes personal responsibility. Never takes personal accountability. They don't grow up in maturity. A parent has to teach a child. Jesus Christ could snap his fingers and give you everything you need and everything you wanted immediately. But guess what? You'd never, ever grow. Listen to verse 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. And he acted as if he was going to go further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards the evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. The lesson's over. They recognized him. And as soon as they recognized him, he vanished. There's a reason. He left them with the scriptures. Because if Jesus was here, you'd never read a Bible. You would want a prophecy all the time. You want a word of knowledge. You want a word of wisdom. You want someone to pray over you. You want. You'd have no understanding of who Christ is. And they said this. After he vanished, they looked at each other and they said it to each other. Did not our hearts burn within us? While he talked to us on the road, while he opened up the scriptures. I'm going to ask you something. Have you ever read the Bible and your heart burned within you? Have you listened to a sermon and you just wanted to jump out of your chair and scream hallelujah? Have you ever left the service and you felt washed and renewed and born again and again? Yeah. That's because of proper preaching. I cannot overemphasize this. I've spent too many years in churches. I've seen too many people who just are looking for some kind of spiritual high. They want those four or five songs that are just going to translate them into the stratosphere. Did you feel it? Did you feel the Spirit of God? But they have no depth of understanding. And as soon as the 
ghost comes and the ghost goes, so does their understanding. The experience is over. The heart was never warmed by understanding and seeing Christ in the scriptures. You see, because of Jesus Christ's proper interpretation of the scriptures, that's where the hearts were set on fire. Jesus Christ is setting the stage for 2,000 years of Christian church life. The reformers knew this. Luther knew this. Calvin knew this. Wesley knew this. These men didn't go to any experience. They opened up the Bible and they saw Christ in the scriptures and they preached it and the congregation's hearts were on fire. And the hearts were so filled with Christ, guess what they did? They went out into the streets and they told people about Christ. They saw him in the scriptures. God opened up their mind to see him in the scriptures. From being despondent only hours before because of a misunderstanding to being filled with hope again because of a proper interpretation. This is powerful. And this is the message of our text. That's why Jesus went through this whole thing. Because if he showed up as the resurrected one, if they saw him as the resurrected one, their hearts would have been overwhelmed. You're best to show up. But Christ had to teach them a lesson that we're still learning today. It's according to the Bible. It's according to the scriptures. I got nothing else to offer you. If you ever come through that door expecting something else, I have nothing, John has nothing to offer. You'd never see a rabbit pulled out. I'm not going to raise the dead. I don't have that kind of faith. I'm not going to open up the eyes of the blind. If you're looking for a healing of cancer or something, we're going to pray for you. We're going to believe, but I can't promise you that. But this is what I can't promise you. If you're looking for him who's alive, I'll open up the scriptures and I'll give them to you. You want him who's alive? You really want him? I'll open up the scriptures and I'll give them to you. That I can promise you. You want anything else? There is nothing I can give you. I am not a magician. I'm not an apostle. Are you with me? I'm being rhetorical. I'm being sarcastic to make a point. Faith sees Christ in the scriptures as though he was right here holding me in his arms. I need nothing else. All I need is a good translation, a good study Bible, some good teachers around me, some good prayer partners, and my heart's filled. That's all I need. That's the lesson. That's why he went through this whole hide-and-seek game. The whole thing. And this is why they said their hearts burned within them when they saw him in the scriptures, not in the breaking of bread. Think about it. They could have said, did not our hearts burn within us when he broke the bread and our eyes were open? He could, they could have said that, right? They didn't say that. After their eyes were open and they saw him, they saw a dead man alive. And all they could say, but our hearts burned within him when he explained to us the scriptures. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Too many teachers out there telling you to come to a church and you're going to have some kind of special experience. I'm telling you right now, you're going to have nothing. You're going to have an empty hope. 
unless they're opening up the scriptures and revealing Christ to you, your hearts will never burn within you. You might leave the church with a hope. It's a false hope. It's the hope of the false prophets in Jeremiah 23. They, 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 they strengthen my people or comfort my people superficially. Preaching and teaching their dreams and their visions. They run, but I never sent that. This is who you listen to. He who has my word and preaches my word is like a hammer, saith the Lord. And separates the wheat from the chaff. America. American churches are a wasteland. And God's people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. Two applications, and I'll move on. I'll close it up. First, how those applied to the disciples that knew Jesus, Jesus in his earthly ministry. For three years they followed the Son of God. For three years they saw the miracles. For three years they saw the they heard the teaching. For three years they saw power. For three years they had Jesus so close that if you wanted to, you can rest your head on his bosom. Like John the disciple. But Jesus is teaching a lesson here. I'm not going to be with you forever. You cannot relate to me that way anymore. You will have to relate to me through the scriptures. That's the list. I will not leave you with orphans. I'm going to give you the comforter. And he's going to open up your mind to understand the scriptures. But now you have to live a life by faith. The temple's over. Never go to the temple and think you're going to see me there again. You'll never see me in the temple. You're never ever going to see me in the festivals again. You're never going to see me in a, a dietary food law. That's why he did it when he opened up. He gave birth, the breaking of the bread. That's the new covenant. Never again will you experience me in any way, in any fashion, through the Old Testament law ever again. Their eyes were not open when they went to the temple. Their eyes were not open when they were keeping the new moon. Their eyes were not open at the Passover. Their eyes were open at the breaking of the bread of the new covenant. What he is saying to all Israel who would believe, the Old Testament's over. You'll never see me anywhere in the types and the shadows of the Old Testament. From now on, I am in the scriptures. Are you with me? How about for us? How about us, for many of us coming out of the Roman Catholic faith? We had our icons. We had our rosaries. We had our statues. We had our stations of the cross. We had our services. We had the mass. We had confession. But when you're truly born again, when you're saved, God opens up your minds to understand the scriptures. When you are saved, God with one hand gives you the Holy Spirit, and with the other hand, 
gives you a Bible. The whole New Testament religion. Nothing else is needed. At all. Same message I preached on Friday night. And guess what? As young Christians, we have to go through the thing. I was still going to Mass when I first got saved. I had to find out that I was looking for the living amongst the dead. Christ wasn't in the Mass. Still had my figurines of Mary. God had to like tug it away. I was fighting with him. Because what's what? I was looking for the dead living amongst the dead. I had to give it all up. And many of us coming out of Roman Catholicism have to learn to give it all up. It's all gone. Now life is lived by faith according to the scriptures. That's why our families think we're nuts when we're first saved. We're not talking about the mass. We're not talking about religious icons. We're not talking about how all we're talking about is the scriptures. They think we're nuts. But guess what? The only way for someone to get saved is according to the, the scriptures. That's it. Otherwise, you're offering me nothing. All the religion that's going on today, and it's nice, and we're charitable, and we're being sensitive to people, but hear me. And I say it under the authority of God's word. God's not impressed, and he could care less. If you're not sure what I just said, I'll say something. I'll say it a different way. God's not impressed, and he could care less. If they were to build a temple in Jerusalem right now, and a sacrificial system would start to take place, and Jews would come from all over the world to go to the temple, and they would come and bring their sacrifices, and they would come and have their celebrations, guess what? God could care less. If it's not according to the scriptures, God doesn't bless it. If we are doing anything that's not according to the scriptures, no matter how well-meaning you are, it won't be blessed. You've got to take away all the distractions. And from now on, we see Jesus Christ only in the scriptures. Father, I love these stories. I love the deep truths they're teaching us, oh God. God, I ask for Brian Martin for all of us here. What is it? What are we holding on to? That's really just a false hope. It's not according to the scriptures. Help us, Father. Let everything we do be according to the scriptures, and that is it. Let us worship you according to the scriptures, not man-made traditions, Father God. Let us, let, us, let us worship you according to the scriptures and not an experience we might have had. Even if it's on the Mount of Transfiguration, we have a, a sure and mighty word, the scriptures. Help us, Father God. I thank you for this church. I thank you that all we have in this church is Jesus Christ crucified according to the scriptures. Now he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And you can have forgiveness of your sins according to the scriptures. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit 
according to the scriptures. You can live a new life according to the scriptures. You can be filled with love for the sinner according to the scriptures. You can love the loveless according to the scriptures. You can take off the old man and put on a new man according to the scriptures. We can have hope in life more abundantly according to the scriptures. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.